Welcome to the Shrink Think Podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Nathan. And we're both licensed professional counselors in Oregon here to open up our lives and minds with you. We'll share some of our experience as counselors, business owners, and most important of all, as everyday people. Welcome to our podcast. This is episode number three. In the last episode, you heard Nathan, my co-host, give me some interview questions, and today I'm going to return the favor. I'm really excited to introduce you guys to him. He's a a really interesting person, really unique guy. Uh, He and I are are very much alike in a lot of ways, but also very different in, in, in other ways, and so I'm excited to share that with you. Uh, a lot of our stories, I think, in some ways are similar, partly because we went through some of the same experiences uh, into getting into therapy you know, going through grad school and starting a business and becoming a supervisor and podcaster now. Um, but he's got a whole different trajectory and different reasons for that. So I'm excited to introduce you to Nathan Hawkins, my co-host. Say hi. Hello. 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 Thanks for, uh, for being here, obviously, as my co-host. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just want to give our audience an idea of who you are and how you came to be uh, on this podcast, not just how you (laughs) came to be in general. Um, My mom and dad. (laughs) Right. Uh, That's something you'll find out about Nathan is he will go there if you let him. I'm going to try to keep him on track here. Um, But Nathan, tell us a bit about how you decided that the whole idea of counseling was something that was for you or something you might be interested in. Man, you know, uh, it's interesting. In the last episode, you talked about being a natural helper. And um, the long story short is I ended up in a high school that I did not go to any, uh, did I didn't go to any of the, with the students that went to the high school. I, I didn't live in the neighborhoods that they lived in. They like drew a boundary line. And then, and then I went to high school. So all my, all my junior high people went to a totally different high school. So I didn't know anybody. They did this whole natural helper thing. And I found out what that was. And I was like, I want to do that. I really like to do that. And it was like, they didn't, nobody knew me. So it didn't happen. It actually kind of hurt a little bit in that way. So you're telling me that I was like, man, I did not get it. I didn't really get to do that. I think I did get to do it my junior year, if I remember right. But it was, and then it ended up not being really a big deal. Probably I, I would say that I really realized in my, when I was 15, I, had, I was in the super codependent relationship with my, with my girlfriend. And I found myself constantly rescuing her. But the thing on the other side of that is I also felt like, man, you know, this is, I have some stuff to add here. Like I do know some things, you know, like there, there were some things that I was saying that I realized that I was almost learning at the same time. Like, wait a minute that, you know, I like helping and it wasn't just her. I realized I was, that's kind of who I was to everyone. Um, even as a little guy actually. And so I thought, Oh, I think counselors do this because I, and I can't remember where I heard about the whole idea of counseling. I think it might've been, well, I think it actually might've been in high school and, uh, and it was a psycho intro to, that's what it was. It was intro to psychology and they were talking about that. And I was like, yes, this is it. This is what I want to do. It's all I cared about in that way. I wasn't sure exactly how to do that. And I didn't really at that point, I guess, care too much. Um, you know, cause in my mind it was like, well, you got to go to college first and then you'll figure it out. So connect the jump between, uh, realizing that this is, you know, something I, I want to do 
with, but not really having any idea of what that meant or how to go about it. What were the next steps that you took going to college and uh, realizing that I want to get into psychology and connecting that to counseling? What were the next steps you took? Oh man. So this is on the one hand, on the one hand this kind of sounds really superficial, but I looked into it a little bit. I remember, I can't remember how I looked into it back then. There was no internet, you know, that didn't exist. And so I, um, I was talking to people and I had the thought like, Oh, counselors don't make any money. And so <laughs> that, that is a common theme that we hear in our field. And so I was like, I think I want to be a physical therapist. So, um, so I went to, I went to college to do kind of, kind of open that idea and at a regular, just a regular, actually back in the day, it was called SOC for short. It was uh, Southern Oregon, Southern Oregon, not Southern Oregon community college, but anyway, it doesn't really matter. Now it's known as Southern Oregon university. I looked into it and I didn't like it. I just didn't, it was so actually, I felt like it was superficial because you were just kind of helping I mean, it was helping people, which was a draw, but then it was just manipulating people's bodies. And I was like, well, I want to know them. I mean, I don't, that's, I don't care about, I mean, I, <laughs> I don't care about their body. So I ended up at the same time that's going on. There's this massive breakup with my girlfriend and I, cause it was one of those things where if you're not going to get married, then what are you doing? And I had this whole thing with God where I was laying, I remember, um, throwing my seat back realizing this whole thing, like it was like my whole life was over kind of a thing. I'm sure a lot of us have had this whole thing go down. Yep. I was like, just use me, God, just use me. Well, I basically felt like I should be a pastor, right? So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go. That's what I'm doing, man. I'm going, I'm switching over to Bible college, you know? And, um, after being there for a little while, like everybody kept asking me, Oh, so are you going to be a counselor? Is that what you're doing? I'm like, what? Like, and then I'm, I, and then it, it, it hit me like, you've always wanted to do that. Like why, like you need to, it was like, it moved me over from this being an idea or an interest into like, you are going to do this job. And then it became like the central focused. Okay. We're going through Bible college, we're graduating and then we're moving over to, to grad school. And then we're, you know, and this is it, this is what we're doing inside my head. Um, it became kind of a formulated plan really quickly. So what changed? I mean, obviously you're, you're that's not the direction you went in and you took the path of counseling, but something had to have happened as sort of a crisis to derail you. At that point, when I'm in Bible college, I really, I hadn't really established exactly where I was going to go. Like it was my sophomore year, I think sophomore, junior year. They had a counseling program there, but uh, well, I, they had a couple counseling classes, not a program. I found myself super interested in those. And so, um, I wasn't quite before those people were telling me that I had, honestly, it was like several people um, over the course of a month or so that kept that were asking like, so are you going to be a counselor? Is that what you're going to do? Or like or, and the weird thing. And actually it didn't offend me at all because you know, you're in, you're at Bible college and most people are trying to go into ministry. And I think if I was really wanting to do that, I probably would have been more like, why are you saying that? I want to be a pastor. You know, that didn't even occur to me. I was more looked at as affirmation, I think. So th there wasn't really a crisis in college per se. 
That's, because- if I can if I can jump in really quick, it's really interesting because um, you it sounded like when you were in high school, you had this idea of like, oh, I'm going to be a counselor. And oh, then right. when it was presented to you, you're like, oh, no, I'm not really interested in that. So it seems like there wasn't really a connection. It didn't really land with you like, consciously just yet. I see what you're saying. Yeah, I in uh, in in high school. I think I kind of moved away from, I couldn't quite see a direct pathway there. I didn't really know anybody else that wanted to do it. Um, and then there was a, a connection through family. And I think the jump was just too big. The counselor that I heard about in the family was like, they weren't doing really well. I think my mom made a comment about there's a financial issue or something like that. And I just kind of logs in your brain, you know, kind of unconsciously like, Oh, that's not, you know, and then the bigger leap was, then you hear about, these counselors like, um, oh my goodness, you know, out of Colorado Springs, um, can't remember what the book he wrote, Larry Crabb doesn't really matter, but Larry Crabb. So these guys are huge. And then you think like, well, I'm not going to be like Larry Crabb. I mean, or, or, you know, like these guys that are out writing books because that's where, if I'm going to be able to be okay for my family with finances, you know, like there, I should be some, there should be some place in between there. Right. But I didn't know, (laughs) I didn't know what that was. So you needed something that so was more practical. practical. Yeah. 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 You know, what's really silly about this is I think about it though, is like pastor really like lots of money in that Nate. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> Counselors don't make very much money, but a pastor I think is going to do pretty well. <laughs> right. Makes no sense at all. But <laughs> it kind of shows you, I think where ultimately where I'm trying to be is like helping people. So I really wasn't as concerned, I guess, in that way of the finances. It was more like what kind of quite frankly where God wanted me to be. And it felt more like that was it. And then when they when I got affirmed to counseling, I was like, oh, maybe it's more of that. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about what your your initial exposure when you were finally in this counseling program was like. You know, what did you think? What was your experience? Um, was this like, ah, you know, this is the oasis I've been looking for? Yeah, actually, um, in grad school. And I was so focused on being a counselor. I didn't even, for me, grad school was just a step. It didn't really matter to me what school. And so the long and short of it is, is George Fox happened to be in the local area. Um, I found out later as I'm there, there are people from all over the country that had came there and they're like, they were describing why they came. And I, I felt like I had a stupid story. Cause like, I remember this guy from Michigan, he's like, well, I came here because this is the, the best school for sure on the West of the Mississippi. And it's the only school in, integrating anything with spirituality whatsoever, like for, I know of in the country. And I'm like, I just live here. You know? <laughs> That's why I'm just down the street. They had an opening. <laughs> so it's funny. Like, but so I'm, I'm like, in this program though, man, and it really resonated with me. I I felt like a lot of what I was learning, I could use that day. Um, just because you're, you're learning about how to be with people in a way where you're helpful. And then, and then you're also learning, like, don't do this to your friends and family. So I'm like, no, I need to be with other people, you know? (laughs) And, um, anyway, so that school was really fun and I ended up taking too many electives. Actually, that's kind of a whole nother story. I should have just in some ways done the doctoral thing, but did the, did this program, uh, at George Fox, did it help you, um, learn more about yourself or reveal some things about yourself uh, that you didn't realize for those who are listening, who may not know this. Um, I think nowadays, as you go through a counseling program, 
you're required to do your own personal therapy. I think it's sort of a, um, a little bit of a, uh, a precautionary sort of a thing, but it's also, I think, really good to help counselors sort of prepare themselves to go into this field, to be with other people and to sort of move their own stuff out of the way or whatever. But did, did going through that program help you discover and learn more things about yourself and sort of get more comfortable with yourself? Yeah, I think, um, well, one thing that came out, like I already shared about the codependent girlfriend thing, that's more when I learned that I learned like, oh, I was really codependent with her um, and like what it was and all that kind of stuff. Cause you explore those things and then you start looking at it. I think the insecurity that I had around trying to basically for me, it's like trying to figure out like it just in a, in the insecurity place of being acceptable, right. Being accepted. And so my translation of that always, because I'm a really competitive person was always to be the best. And so <laughs> man, it's an embarrassing moment, but the director of counseling, she was a, she was from a foreign country. She asked me something about counseling or whatever. And I said, well, you know, and this is by the way, like close to graduation. And I said, you know, I, I want to, I don't just want to be a counselor. I want to be the best counselor. And uh, she probably vomited in her mouth is what I think. Like, because, <laughs> because the reality is there's no such thing as a best counselor, <laughs> right. but it kind of shows you, like, I was still learning about how to just be me and be with the people that I needed to be with to let, well, I believe that God called me to be with and just be helpful that way and kind of just stay, stay in your own lane type of thing and do what it is that, that you can do. And that's, so it's been more integrated over a period of time. And some of those tools and the reflections, like you, you, you know, have to write so many reflection papers in grad school. I mean, over at least over. in our counseling field <laughs> yeah well that's true in our counseling how do you field. feel about that read this story then how do you feel about it yeah so it was it was rigorous it was it was fun it kind of was the most fun at the end except for the administration because that's kind of what happens in every school i think but getting out into it sitting with those folks for the first time was different yeah you you asked me that in uh in my interview and i'm really curious to hear your story. Do you remember the first time in your internship when you actually sat down with, uh, with somebody and it was your total responsibility to be the therapist? What was that like for you? Do you remember that? <laughs> it was weird uh, sitting there realizing that, I mean, the person's looking at you like, like you're supposed to do something, you know, <laughs> it's not the same as talking like to somebody. I mean, a lot of times folks come in to see us and they're like, they want us to drive the boat. And back then I bought into that, you know, and so I tried to drive the boat, I think a little bit. I don't remember exactly in my first session. I kind of remember who the person was though. And they ended up staying with me into private practice, actually. And that was actually more the weird, the weird first for me was a person paying money to me. That was weird. That whole imposter syndrome thing, like, like, man, we just talked and then you gave me $60 is what it kind of feel like. And this thing, thing in the back of your head going, you don't know anything. He could have yeah. talked to his friend. For those who are listening, may not know about this. Um, it, I think it applies in a lot of different areas, but um, talk about what is imposter syndrome and, and how have you experienced that both at that time and, and even maybe throughout your career? Yeah. Imposter syndromes, basically the idea that you are an imposter. You're not who the person across from you believes you to be. You don't have the expertise the person believes you to have. 
Um, and that can be like Aaron was just mentioning in any, any field, I would imagine loan officer, all that kind of stuff. And I've had clients that have struggled with that actually. They don't, and it's interesting because you can always see the expertise in the other person when they're, when, you know, you've sat with people and, and you're sitting there going, no, I'm, I'm sure you know a lot about finances. You went to school for that. You, I mean, yeah, it's but it's not even a thought you, you just see that in the other person and you sort of accept it like, oh, you're in this role and you know what you're doing. You don't even think twice about it. Right. Except when it applies to yourself. <laughs> That's right. So I think starting, um, and well, and some colleagues, they don't help with that. Right. So I start to want to do a business and I get told really quick, well, you can't do private practice until you've done at least five years in community mental health and are licensed already. And so what that translated to me is you're not respectable, Nate, you're not respectable enough to do this. You're not good enough to do this. You shouldn't do this. This gets at what Aaron was kind of talking about last time, which is that you just do it anyway. I mean, there's a lot of stuff when it comes to fear like that, you've got to go with kind of where you're driven and take risks. For me, that was all kinds of risks because I was in, I was risking not having a reputation, um, not being quote unquote good enough and all that. So I'm sitting with folks and they're giving me money and I'm in this business thing, by the way, in some ways was much easier than I thought. So I had that built up to, I don't, I don't know how I had that built up, but I kept thinking like, there's all these things I was going to have to do, but there's people around you that can help, you know, accountants and that kind of thing that you don't think about. Um, but yeah, I, I can, the, the, there's basically like three times, I think when that imposter syndrome hits, it's somebody has an, another, you see another therapist, that's one, um, you know, some counselor coming things of you that you better deliver on they, and they know what they're looking for. That's right. You know, well, and, and actually it's happened more probably in the last five years. And I think because I've been doing this now for almost, I think, man, almost 17 years, people, I think other clinicians look and they go, Oh, this person's been doing this long. I'm going to go see them. I don't want to see a newbie or whatever. Cause that's maybe what I would do. I, I don't know, but that's just seems to happen more in the last five years. But then you start thinking like, Oh, I asked that question. Did they think I was going to ask that question? Should I where do they think I'm going? Are they analyzing this? Was that a bad idea? Do they think I'm off track? Are we keeping goals? Like there's <laughs> like, that right there. That is the epitome of a shrink think podcast. <laughs> These are the thoughts that go on in our head. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, totally. And so, and then as a supervisor, I mean, you're, you're trying to help this person and there's all these things you're managing. You're like, don't be their therapist, but you kind of can, but you really shouldn't. And how are the, how are their clients doing? You need to care about that, but you can't counsel the clients. You're helping this person, you know, like stay out of the way but, and be there. Like, it's like telling it's like naming your dog stay, you know, come here, stay. <laughs> <laughs> so good. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. The imposter thing I think is going to be, it's not remotely a daily thing. And and that's one thing that thank goodness experience actually does help with because you hear it inside your own head and you're like, you know, like kind of like the e-course that we're hoping that you guys check out. Like you need to combat those thoughts, those thoughts that are like, don't do that. You're, you're not very good at that. You know, you have to just basically go, okay, well, I'm not going to hear that right now. I'm not, at least I'm not going to base my actions on that. Right. You might feel it inside, but, you know, trying to manage that. I mean, we're all, we're all doing that. We're all trying to manage those thoughts inside our own, our own selves as we're looking at each other and interacting with each other. 
I want to go back to something you said a minute ago. You said there were a few people that you feel like the most insecure or you have that imposter syndrome with. One was therapists mm. uh, with, with other therapists. What are the other two? So the other ones are probably more situations like the supervisor one. And I think any, any area that I've, I'm realizing, I just don't know that much and people, and it's when people, I think, think that like when I think people think I should know everything about whatever that topic is. And I think that kind of gets at the heart of the imposter, right? Because, but that's all the, that's also the lie because you don't know everything about anything. And so it's easy to go like, but I don't really know what to say, you know, like, and that's actually fine. But, but like, so areas like for me, I didn't really care. And you've done this, you've got into the chemical alcohol and drug, um, work a bit. I did not want to do that to me. It's discouraging because it's like 25% of the people get out of that that are trying to get out of that. So I kind of avoided it, but, but in counseling, you end up with this stuff all the time where people, it's a part of life, you know, like people got a chemical thing. So I sit there, I've had to learn some things about it, but I have to, I have to always remind myself, like, that's not your thing, Nate. It's okay not to know that stuff. You can just say, I don't know. You probably need to get a specialist. Um, and I think that's the part of it too, is the temptation to not say, I don't know, you know, um, it's okay not to know people actually don't expect you to know everything at all. Yeah. Not, not to get too far off track of this, uh, of your story. I'm going to hear more about, you know, um, your business and, and growing life encounter counseling and, you know, getting into podcasting here, but I'm, I'm definitely very curious about this imposter thing. Like you talked a little bit about, um, how you, uh, talk to yourself about it, but how do you combat that when you experience that imposter syndrome? You know, the first thing I think I do is ignore it. I'll have it come up and I kind of just ignore it. Like, you know, at this point I'll ignore it. And, um, if it kind of sits in there, I think the other thing that I do is I'll, I'll maybe talk to you about something or I'll talk to another counselor. And what that does when I ask the question, half of the reason I'm asking the question is to understand what the other, what the other counselor's reaction to it is, you know, like, which to be honest, I don't even know that I'm doing, I'm just realizing that now actually, as I talk, um, because the look on, you know, look on the face of like either. Now I can tell you what's bad is if the, as if you, for example, I talk to you and you, you look at me like, you don't know that. <laughs> I'm like, I really don't know anything. You know, sometimes I'll just pretend I'll just be like, wow, you don't know that just to, just to see the look of fear on your face. No, but that's a, that's a good, interesting observation. So you're really kind of trying to read, like, is this a normal thing or, you know, like how, how should I think about this? Yeah. I think it's really kind of a, uh, I don't trust because I go back and I go, look, you, you have a master's degree here. You've been doing this for a while. There's all these stupid certifications that you have. You can't just go buy them. You have to know something. Um, so at least people think you do like meaning like the, the people that gave you those certifications, they did that. I mean, they've signed off on you. So, so then it's like, okay, you need to relax but maybe you don't know what this person needs to know and that's okay. Um, that just needs to be okay. But also I got to check it out. I think with other counselors and I think that's what's so helpful about helpful with supervision groups is to, is to be inside of that. Yeah. I mean, that's a, a very human thing, you know, that 
we just need some some reassurance or some encouragement or for somebody to share the same story and be like, oh, yeah, I've totally been in that place. You know, I've experienced that as well. You're not alone in that. That those are just, you know, powerful human experiences that even we as therapists experience. Right. So let's get back to your story here. Uh, you talked about finishing grad school, starting this business when everybody was telling you, you know, you need to take this specific route and you're not wanting to do that because you feel called in this other direction. So you're, you're starting your business, um, you're in private practice. You, know, you and I have talked a lot about this, the whole isolation piece because um, that was a turning point, I think, for both of us in terms of our growth, both as as individuals, uh, but also as our as business owners, where our businesses really started to grow is when we combined forces, if you will. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit about what that whole, for you, what that experience was like becoming isolated and then uh, what you did about that. Yeah. And I think I want to challenge other counselors here with this thought too, or other folks, um, because my first response to starting the private practice, I had to try so hard to kind of like, for lack, you know, the fake it till you make it thing because of what I was hearing, right? I'm getting this feedback if you can't do this. So I'm like, yes, I freaking can. The, the, I'm a really competitive person. So that's what I was like, you know, I'm going to do it. I don't, you guys say I can't do it, but I'm going to show you I can. And, you know, I heard you're going to be isolated and, you know, you're blah, blah. And I was like, nope, not me. I'm not going to be isolated, you know, this whole thing. And it, after a while, it's like, no, no, you're isolated, Nate. Like this is, and you kind of, you kind of sit there and realize like, okay, you know, a couple of things. One, there's a value to what other people are coaching you about. And, you know, it's, it makes sense to listen to that sooner than later. And two, uh, you can do something about this. So I started looking into it and found um, this whole idea of, supervision groups is what I was trying to say. That's the words I was like trying to think of. And, and I was like, Oh, I wonder who can do that. What are people that maybe believe the same way? And I think I'd worked with you with one other thing. And so I went ahead and, and I called you and then you were asking some other, other things. We got together, had a couple other people and then off to the races we go there. I was interested in building up, like getting other like a super, like a supervisee, um, a pre-master's interns was called when a student is still in their master's program, but has to do the internship of counseling. I thought that'd be a fun place to start. Cause I wanted to, I really like to teach. Um, I really love to teach. And so I thought that would be fun. And, uh, but I was really nervous about it. And also just on the business side, I was really nervous about trying to carry all the weight of the finances of the rent. So I was really trying to just get like a two office thing. And then in t- talking with you, the thing that happened below, like we were on the, this upper floor of a building and the be- directly below my office, there was a three office suite that was actually built out by another counselor. And then they left and uh, the landlord let me know about it. And then we're in the supervision group. I'm like, Aaron, your room sucks because of your view. Yeah, that's not a, that's the weirdest coincidence ever. No, that was, that was perfect though. I mean, it, it was definitely something that you recognized that we both needed. I think, I think it was kind of one of those things where we looked at each other and we're like seeing ourselves in the reflection in, or as a reflection in each other and realizing we really just need to do this. We need each other. Yeah. So the, taking the risk to go ahead and get a supervisee. And I think we had talked about doing something like, like that. I think 
you are a bit more shocked of the, it's funny. Cause you're like, you're, you can't, I don't like that. You're ahead like this. And you told me like, I'm a pretty competitive person. <laughs> I already just told you like, so am I. And so my goal at that point was to stay ahead. <laughs> that didn't work. <laughs> so, Cause now here we are. I you have it for a little while. <laughs> so now you've driven the boat on the podcasting thing. I was like, podcasting might be, and you're like, I'm doing a podcast. And so I, I, uh, I'm like, yeah, but I wanted to do a podcast too <laughs> anyway. So then we, we realized that we want to do the same thing. And that's the thing is like, we should have in some ways already known that. Yeah. Maybe you can just share, um, with, with our, our audience. Um, you know, you talk about podcasting a little bit. Um, what were, what were your reasons? I mean, I, I kind of had an idea of mine and I remember hearing from you a little bit at the time at that conference that we went to in October. Um, what were your first thoughts about podcasting as we kind of wrap up here that made it interesting and like something that you, you decided you wanted to do? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, you were definitely a, a bit more interested in me. I think that as you described that challenge that Joe put out really kind of hit you. I thought about it at that time. I thought, Oh, that's interesting. But then I thought, I don't know what I'm going to tell people at all. And then in talking with you, I realized, wait a minute, people, every time that we go into a room somewhere, every time that you know, where we get, we get asked questions, something or something about something. It's like, there's different, there's different, um, people, right? So an average person will ask you as soon as you, you know, you, what do you do for a living? And then you're like, okay, depending on how I answer this question, you know, gets me into a conversation that I may or may not want to be in. So, right. and then when you're with the same thing happens with, with therapists though, when you're, cause there's this whole undertow out there that if you make money as a therapist or care about making money, then you're, you must not really like people. You're really, all you are is just trying to use people for money or whatever. So, um, when you share about like therapists go, Oh, where do you work? Oh, I have a private practice. Okay. So do I. And then what, and then the question is, do you say anything about employees? Do you not like, and then what, what's going to happen? I remember I had a supervisor one time ask me about, I said, Oh, I want to try to make, do a clinic. And he goes, well, just as long as you're not in it for the money. And I'm like, okay, so money is evil. You shouldn't have any of that, you know, and, and all that whole thing. So, and, and, but as I started thinking through situations like that, I started realizing like, you know, I, I'm not, there's no way I'm alone. Cause that's one of the things that Colorado did for me is to realize like, there's a lot of people that have questions that we can answer and really we get excited about answering those questions and and talking more and then learning from them about you know they say something and you're like no way you did what and so this this collaboration that's why i thought man honestly I, our audience is kind of like everyone in a way because if you're if you own a business I mean, business is business. There's just laws of business. It just is, it works a certain way. It doesn't matter if you, what you own or what your, how your service works. And so, and then people, some people are interested in it. So I started thinking, man, this actually be kind of cool to share stuff. And we could, we can share some things. Then maybe the audience tells us like, Hey, we're getting to know you guys. Would you guys talk about X, Y, Z on your podcast, which would be really cool. So let us know because we're totally open for that kind of thing. But that's what I was, that's kind of how I got there. I think from my impression, I just was, you know, mulling the idea around. And I think at that point I had seen your fire and 
and maybe that's the competitive thing, you know, as like, oh, Nathan's, you know, further along, I, I need to get caught up. He's he wants to do this podcast. And so I'm, maybe I came out with like, I'm doing it uh, <laughs> to sort of compete. I don't know. But whatever it was, I'm really glad it happened. And um, I'm, I'm glad to be here. And I'm glad we were able to sort of figure out our uh, our message and um, and take these steps to be here, because like you said, I'm really excited to hear from all of our listeners about um, what it is they would like to hear more about topics um, that they want us to talk about or uh, how we process through things or things that we've experienced. So yeah, I'm just really excited about this process and to get to do this with you and that people get to know who you are because you are a very caring person. You have a, a ton to offer people. You have a lot of knowledge and insight and through the supervision group that I've been a part of with you. And even over the years, I'm always learning something from you. I mean, of course, it's fun to be around you because you're just a fun guy. But also you have a lot to offer just in terms of your knowledge and experience. And I think that's incredibly valuable for for our listeners. And that was a good segue also for our next episode. We're going to be talking about what it's like being a therapist, some of this behind the scenes stuff that we go through that uh, a lot of people ask us, they're really curious about you know, do you, uh, what do you do in between sessions or how do you prepare or, um, are there people that you like more than others? There's just all kinds of just, you know, funny, interesting questions. So we'll, we'll get into some of that. And then the next episode after that, we'll talk about what it's like just on the human side of it. So we've got a lot more coming. So, uh, I just want to say thank you, Nathan, for being here with me and doing this with me and, um, for sharing your story. Yeah, this is fun. Thanks, Aaron. Until next time, we will see you guys later. Thanks for listening to our show. Don't forget to head over to Apple Podcasts to leave us a review and subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. If you'd like to learn more about us, visit our website at shrinkthinkpodcast.com forward slash course and sign up for our free email course.